Hello and welcome to another episode of the Switchkick podcast. I am joined by the one and only Jake Bayliss. Jake, how's it going? It's good, thank you. Hope you're well. Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Uh, Just a reminder to our listeners out there that if you want to listen to the Switchkick podcast on a different platform, we're available on iTunes as well. You can go to the podcast section, search for Switchkick, two separate words, in the podcast section, you should be able to find us without any trouble or type Switchkick MMA into SoundCloud and you'll find us there as well. That being said, there's not much happening at this specific moment in time with regards to mixed martial arts coming up at the weekend. However, we did have the Bellator heavyweight semi-finals of the Grand Prix this last weekend. First of all, Ryan Bader took on Matt Mitrione, ended up being a very one-sided fight. Jake, did you watch that one? Yeah, of course. Obviously, it's not live because Bellator and UK TV deals can't seem to get that figured out. But uh, no, I managed to catch up with it over the weekend and uh, it was as one side as it gets. I think that's the first 30-24 I think I've ever watched. So that's three 10-8 rounds and he, he just seemed to have the beating of him all ends up, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, totally dominant. Mitrione, I think, said in a pre-fight press conference he was going to go in swinging, but he just had no chance. He was down on the ground before you could click your fingers, wasn't he? Yeah, I know he's one of the faster-moving heavyweights as well. You thought he might be able to sneak a punch in. He is the more natural heavyweight compared to the light heavyweight champion, Bader. But it was just, it was almost a mauling from the first second of the fight. And I know we've we picked Bader in the show last week, but I didn't expect it being that one-sided, to be honest. Yep. And then, of course, the day after, we had Fedor Emelianenko taking on Chael Sonnen. Ended in the first round. What did you think? I've got to be honest. I don't know what Chael was doing. If you, if you didn't see the fight, Fedor had caught Chael with a good couple of shots before the finish. But Chael had recovered, took the shot pretty well, considering it's Fedor and we know the power he has. It seemed to have a good position for a, a rear naked choke, a good submission position, had Fedor's back. But then he he went for this weird flip off his back and, and missed whatever he was trying to do. And then he was just there on the on the floor for Fedor to kind of just ground and pound him until he got the, uh, the finish. I mean, Chael held on at the end. I don't know how he was taking some of the shots he did. But uh, in the end, it was pretty clear cut for Fedor, wasn't it? Yeah, I saw that flip that you mentioned, and uh, yeah, it didn't seem very logical. But, you know, people make people make mistakes. A lot of people are actually going to the extent of saying that the fight was fixed, that Bellator fixed the fight. Now, I wouldn't take it that far. I mean, what would you say on in terms of those allegations? No, I know where it's come from, because Chael himself had even brought up that Pride fixed fights back in the day, and didn't necessarily say that Fedor himself had rigged fights or rigged results but I think him saying it also brought suspicion over the uh, over the incident when it happened but I think if you're going to look at it that way I disagree but also if Bellator were going to fix a fight surely they'd want Chael to win given that he's better at promoting fights anyway you know what I mean They're Like it, you, you hear some of Fedor's interviews and I, I don't want to dismiss him or, or 
speak too negatively about him, but they're not the most inspiring speeches, are they? No, I mean, I totally don't think it was fixed at all. But with regards to the point you're making, I don't really think, yes, Chael sells a fight way better, but I don't know what, what Fado's numbers are like, but I can perfectly see Fado's numbers being bigger than Chael's numbers in terms of what Fedor accomplished in his career and having fans worldwide that are tuning back into MMA to sort of reminisce over those times. So it might be beneficial for them, but I don't think they fixed the fight. No, I'd agree. And I think it was just a mistake. And people, because it was so bad, maybe want to find some other reason for it because they can't really uh, fathom it themselves. I, I do think Charles just messed up on that one. Yeah. So now we have the final, Ryan Bader against Fedor Emelianenko. Bader coming in a strong favourite, I think minus 450 or something like that last time I checked. Do you agree with those odds? Do you think it's that one-sided? If it was anyone but Fedor, I'd, I'd, I'd agree, I think, because I had Bader as favourite heading into the tournament. But I think I've not been overly impressed with Fedor in these uh, in these fights. Obviously, he was better against Chell than he was against Mitrione, and he obviously had that good result against Mia as well in between. But no, I think that's a bit one-sided i think look there's a reason people support bader and think he's good and that's because he is he's in the prime of his career and uh, he's putting some good results together he's probably the fighter that the moves to bellator from the ufc has worked out best for if you look at the results and the uh, success he's had but i think bader being the heavyweight that he is he's always going to carry that danger so maybe i know if you were looking to make money on that fight maybe you'd sneak a few um a bit of money on fedor but I'd still have Bader as maybe a closer favourite. Yeah, I think I'm going to give Fader a shot for old time's sake. And I just think that for a 42-year-old, his hands look quick and we know that they pack so much power. Now, I know obviously he started to gas in that fight against Chael already in the first round. You could see it, but still, his hands are so quick. I just think it's all or nothing right at the beginning. And if he does catch Bader early on, that could be it. So he's in with a puncher's chance, definitely. But um, moving on to other MMA news, it appears as though it's confirmed now Eddie Alvarez is moving to One Championship, an Asian promotion company, which I actually think is a good move for Eddie Alvarez. He's taken a fair bit of abuse. He's taken, you know, he's been through many wars in the UFC. Uh, not just the McGregor fight, but, you know, he's been through a number of wars and he's had a fabulous career. And I think that rather than staying in the UFC and fighting some of those top five guys that I don't think he can beat anymore, I think he deserves to make a, a move that's lucrative for him financially and helps promote a new organisation. What do you think? 100% agree. I mean, you're talking about a fight more than earned his chance to earning some you know, improved money, which it sounds like it's going to do with his new contract and under this new organisation. Obviously came through Bellator to join the UFC, but fought across many continents, really, for Dream as well. There's not really a man that's putting the hard yards like Eddie Alvarez has over the years, so I don't think there's going to be an MMA fan that's going to disagree with his decision or not wish him well. Another thing I wanted to mention, as much as I don't like talking about it because it's more of a show, it's more of celebrity type world than actual mixed martial arts but uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov called out Floyd Mayweather it appears that they're starting a bit of back and forth what do you think about all that I don't know since the McGregor fight it's a bit strange isn't it you've got I know just posting pictures looks like he's a uh, you know taking the loss quite well he's throwing 
footballs at American like NFL games or something. While you've got Khabib posting pictures with Putin and talking to Floyd Mayweather, it's almost like he's taking the Conor McGregor route again with his newfound fame or something. <laughs> you know, obviously he's holding the UFC to some kind of ultimatum about his friend that was involved in the brawl as well. I, I think before the fight, we were, we were talking about Khabib being a fighter all about respect and the difference in his culture and things like that. And he, he still is those things. But I think the last couple of weeks, we've maybe seen a new side to him or at least someone trying to explore their newfound fame or, or something like that. I'm, I'm quite intrigued. I don't know how you feel about it. I think it's a good move to call out Mayweather financially for himself because it reminds the UFC, ooh, hang on, we want a piece of that. We can't be firing him and then letting him go and do that. Because remember when McGregor went and did it, UFC earned a big cut of McGregor's purse because he was under contract. So it might just be a strategy just to remind the UFC, hey, I just beat your superstar and you know I'm well capable of looking for things elsewhere. To be honest, I'm that far from believing anything that's going to happen with Floyd Mayweather that I actually dismissed the idea that it might. I was just talking about his general actions, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think we're going to see Floyd and um, Khabib share an octagon or, or a ring or anything like that. But it is, like you said, it's quite convenient that in the last couple of weeks, Khabib's talking about offers from WWE and Floyd Mayweather just to go to the UFC. You know, I, I don't have to stick around. I know um, Josh Thompson, in an interview before the fight, said he thought if Khabib won, he'd retire from MMA or something. He might be just playing playing a little game with the UFC, seeing what he can do for his new contract, seeing if he can use his uh, new fan profile to his advantage a little bit. Absolutely. I would like to talk about Conor McGregor. As you just mentioned, he's been promoting his whiskey. He's been in Texas watching the Dallas Cowboys play. He's been all over the country doing a big promotion tour. It appears to be going well for him. He looks happy. He doesn't look like the loss has got to him too much. Now... That leads me on to my next point. Conor McGregor wants the rematch with Khabib. When we saw McGregor lose to Nate Diaz, McGregor was very quiet. He took it He took it really well. He didn't make up any excuses, but he disappeared. In my opinion, he was in the gym straight away, preparing meticulously. This time round, okay, he probably already had obligations with regards to his whiskey, and they have to be done, but... It just, I don't know, it doesn't feel like he's taken the loss as badly as he took the Nate Diaz loss, which means to me that his preparation for a rematch, if it happened, might not be as meticulous. What do you think? It's intriguing, definitely. It's interesting. I definitely understand what you mean, and I think there is some truth to it. But also, when we were talking about it last week, John Kavanagh did say that maybe he was too defensive in his mindset and his coaching, and he almost seemed to suggest they were training towards a rematch, not on purpose, but it kind of set it up in that way because they know there's an improved version of Connor that could face Khabib. And maybe that's got something to do with it. Look, he's always been accepting of losses in the best way possible you can be as a fighter. I do get what you mean. There seems to be like a an enhanced desire to get one back over Nate Diaz compared to the Khabib fight but I think he can't really stress himself on that too much because we don't know what's going to happen with Khabib yet there's no point getting fired up and going straight back into camp if Khabib's going to get six months suspension or anything like that off um, Nevada so I think we'll know more when the dust settles it seems that we're still in kind of weird space at the minute so like we were just talking about Khabib just trying to figure things out maybe Connor's trying to do the same I think that from a business standpoint I think McGregor should fight Khabib again. I was listening to a 
Luke Thomas earlier on and he said that's not the right move that Connor needs to fight Nate or somebody else first before he fights Khabib I just think that that's a risk from a business standpoint because Diaz could beat him if McGregor has stopped taking the fight game as seriously as he used to and is now prioritizing his business ventures and things like that and who knows since the Mayweather fight he's made all this money who knows if he'll ever be that McGregor we saw against I don't know Eddie Alvarez or in the Diaz 2 fight we just don't know so it's a big risk if he gets done by Diaz or somebody with not as big a profile as Diaz then that could be the end of him being as big of a draw as he is at the moment whereas I think a rematch with Khabib is going to break every single record now they can sell it on the standpoint that I lost to Diaz I came back and beat him so they can sell it as I lost to Khabib I came back and I'm going to beat him and I think that will break the record again in terms of pay-per-view sales for the UFC I think that they should go for it to be honest I think that it's a it's a bigger risk for him to fight somebody else and get taken out no you made a lot of good points there I just feel like although people want him to have a win going into a Khabib rematch like you say he risks a lot doing that and also you need the month to be able to train for Khabib specifically if you go into another opponent you have to learn their game and worry about their attack we saw the skill differential between the two in the first fight. Now, if you're going to go into another opponent, that doesn't necessarily become wider, but you're not closing that deficit, and that's what he needs to do. Now, just because it's immediate rematch, does that mean it happens right away? Probably not. Is there going to be at least a six-month gap? Probably, if not longer, because we don't know how Khabib, if he's going to have a suspension, if the UFC are going to drag it out until next year. We don't know. But I disagree with the fact he'd need a tune-up fight because there are no tune-up fights for him at this level. If he fights, it's got to be top contender and that's always going to come with some risk. Now, if he loses again, does he risk losing his shine a little bit given the fact he lost to Khabib and now and before that he lost to Floyd given that no one expected him to do well against Floyd, it's still a loss. Now, if he gets three losses in a row, do people start questioning him? Maybe, but I, I still think he holds some power But Going back to your original point, I, I do think the immediate rematch is the right way to go. Moving on, I wanted to talk a bit more about uh, John Bones Jones and Alexander Gustafsson. We touched on it as the news came in last week, but I wanted to have a slightly more in-depth look at that fight. Do you think the long layoff is going to affect Jones? Because we saw him come back after a, a long suspension against OSP. And he didn't look great. Won the fight, but he didn't look great. So do you think that he's taken the necessary time to get ready, obviously turning down the Madison Square Garden event, that he is taking this Gustafsson fight very seriously? Well, you've just covered it pretty much there. Let's not forget, though, that Gustafsson has actually had a longer layoff than Jones since his last fight. Since the uh, DC Jones 2 was actually more recent than his last fight be honest i can't remember who it was against i know he looked impressive but um like you say jones has had two of these long layoffs now and look completely different in each of them so he hasn't really given us some good evidence to go on you, you could see either i suppose just on the way he seems and the way he's acting and the things he's saying i'd lean more towards the um dc jones 2 version of john if we do see the best version of him 
he'd still Gustafsson he's fighting against. And if we go back to their first fight, I'd maybe shade that towards Alex anyway. I thought he won that fight. I'm really intrigued by this because obviously it's a five year difference between the two fights as well. So there's going to be some differences there. Is Gustafsson, because we know this is a rematch he's chased for a long time. I think he even at one point said it's more important for him to fight Jones again than to have the belt or something along those lines. Will he come into the fight too emotional and make mistakes because of that? We just don't know. I think we'll know more closer to the fight as we gear up towards it and we get to know more about how the two are shaping up. But I think it is going to be as intriguing as we all think. Yeah, I mean, I have a massive amount of respect for Alexander Gustafsson. What he did in that first fight, because that was back when John Bones Jones was untouchable. The thought of him losing just didn't exist. And Gustafsson brought it. It was an incredible war. I think Gustafsson was the first person to ever take him down and then did it again and again. It was an amazing fight. If we get something else like that, the the fans are in for a treat, no matter how the decision or finish goes. But uh, definitely looking forward to that. Now, as a consequence of that fight, it all looked like DC was set up to fight Brock Lesnar. Lesnar came into the cage after DC's victory against Stipe and started making a lot of noise and that seemed destined to happen. Now we have a situation where DC is taking on Derek Lewis. I think he'll win that fight. But if John Bones Jones dismantles Gustafsson in spectacular fashion, do you think that Cormier might get jumped in the queue? And we have a scenario where John Bones Jones faces Brock Lesnar because that probably is more lucrative financially for the UFC and they know that they might only ever get one more fight out of Brock. So why not make it a big one and get it against John Bones Jones? It would be a bit unfair to Cormier, who's been such a good ambassador for the sport and for the UFC and commentates for them. But do you think John Bones Jones could jump that queue and fight Brock? To be honest, that's not an argument I've heard. So that's news to me. It is an interesting idea, and I can see how it could happen if it was anyone but DC in the way. I think Dana White has too much respect for DC. They've built it up, albeit somewhat stalled because of the fights in between and all the stuff and waiting for Brock to do all the side testing. But I'd be really surprised. I know they were, they were talking about it before when John was rumoured to fight Stipe or something along those lines. But I'd be really surprised. Now... I heard DC talking to Ariel Hawani a couple of days ago and he said that his plan is to fight Derek and fight Brock maybe February, March sometime next year. We know his cut-off time's around then. Ariel asked him, he said, well, is there a chance you'll, you know, do a third fight with uh, John next year? And he went something along the lines of, is he now going to dictate when I retire? He said... he plans to have those two fights and if he fights me again I think he said before that he wants to do it a lot heavy I think the fans if they want to see that fight again would rather it be heavyweight because it gives Cormier more of an advantage to be honest but as for John stealing DC's Brock fight I can't see it although it would create more drama the uh, likelihood of a third fight would increase I think dramatically I wanted to talk about Gegard Mousasi with you before we call it today. Gegard Mousasi obviously was on an incredible spree in the UFC uh, before he switched over to Bellator. He was on a long win streak and it looked like he was going to challenge for the UFC middleweight belt. Uh, In the end, Bellator must have made him a better deal. He had a bit of a a mediocre fight against Shlomenko, but then has looked impressive 
in his last couple of fights for Bellator. A lot of people are saying that he is top five, top ten, pound for pound in the world. Where would you place someone like Gegard Mousasi in that pound for pound list in the world? I know Mousasi has got a lot of fans throughout the MMA community and he has looked good. He's got a, an impressive string of wins. Um, just looking at some of the names here, it's uh, Vitor Belfort, Talos Lettis, Thiago Santos, Chris Weidman and obviously Rory in his last fight. He would be a top contender in the UFC at the minute. Maybe fans would have wanted to see him fight uh, Romero and Whitaker maybe. I think it is hard to place him when you don't really know where he would be in the UFC. Because let's flip it around. Where would Whitaker be in a pound-for-pound list? I'm not really sure. We haven't really seen a lot of him, if you know what I mean, just by comparison. Listen, it probably is one of... Bellator's most impressive signings as far as I can think. I don't know, maybe he gets a couple of wins together and he looks more impressive and then there isn't a conversation and he is right up there, but I think he does get the respect he deserves from MMA fans. One thing I would like to see in in a few years' time, which of course will never happen, is the champions in, in a sort of UFC against Bellator event and the champion of each weight class that face off. That would be incredible. Right now, the UFC is almost a monopoly, but Bellator are catching up. Do you think we'd ever see something like that, a, a cross-promotion event? I think Scott Coker had let it happen. Whether, whether Dan or White would, I'm not sure. But, you know, a Rory McDonald, Tyron Woodley fight or a Musashi Robert Whittaker fight, I'd, I'd be down to see that on a, on a double pay-per-view, double headliner. Definitely. All right, Jake. Well, uh, thank you for being here once again. And uh, we'll speak next week. We'll have some UFC events finally coming up then. We'll have a long string of UFC events coming up all the way through to Christmas, I think. So um, I'll be in touch with you again next week. No problem. Great to do it again. See you next week. All right. Take care, Jake. Okay, on to the betting section of the podcast. Obviously, there aren't any UFC or Bellator events coming up this weekend. However, I did want to speak to John again. He gave us a very good tip last week. He said to bet against Kevin Ferguson, possibly for Corey Browning, given that Kevin Ferguson Jr. was a 8-1 to favourite. That ended up paying off for any of you that decided to follow that advice. It would have been a, a massive payout. So some good advice coming in. One of the reasons that I didn't play a bet on that is because I struggle to find a, a decent book. I'm joined now by John. John, are you there? Ty, what's up, my man? How's it going? It's going really well, thanks. How are you? Great, man. Excellent. Well, as I was just mentioning, sometimes I struggle to find good books, and I've had a few messages from other people that do as well. So is there one book that you work with particularly, or do you tend to shop around and look for the best deals, in, you know, depending on the specific fight? I believe the best book out of all of them would have to be Five Dimes. Uh, they released the lines the earliest they release the most props they have pretty consistent live vetting for prelims and main cards sometimes even fight pass cards when they're doing exclusive events on fight pass but um you always should shop around for other books i believe you know the bestfightodds.com is going to be uh, your best resource in uh, MMA betting, it provides about 12 to 13 different uh, sports books on there, all with different prices for each fight, and gives you uh, you know a sense of which which line is going to be the best for you. So uh, uh, Five Dimes would be my, my preferred uh, book, but I also uh, know Bet DSI is a good book. Take this into account that I am American, therefore my uh, sports books are a little more limited than other people's. People in Europe and Australia and international places have access to. Uh, 
but more uh, for international people, I would have to recommend Bet365. A lot of people giving really good reviews about them and their live bets seem to be uh, probably the best out of all of them. You can bet on a lot of props live. So if you think the first two rounds of a fight are even and you're going into a third round close or it's a 10-8 in the first and the fighter who got 10-8 is winning the latter two rounds, you can bet on a draw after the second round and really make some good cash there. So I've seen people doing that a lot on uh, hitting draws and uh, really making some good coin there. But if you're uh, in America, I would go with five dimes. And one thing I wanted to ask you, do you normally go for sure things things that you know or have a high inkling towards um, and combine them so maybe six fights where you think you know the result or do you tend to look for a single value bet that you really have a good feeling about yeah, so uh, you call them accumulators. Uh, that must be like, you know, an English term for them. And parlays are uh, usually what we call them in America. And, you know, they're they're good and they're bad. I would say that if you want to do, you know, little stabs, you know, a few dollars here at, you know, with five, you know, different folds and you have to hit all five of those folds in order to win your bet, I would say, yeah, go ahead and have some fun there. Throw a few dollars down, get some huge odds. Uh, and uh, you know if it's a fight a 13 fight card you know put one dollar down and pick all 13 fights and put it all on one ticket you know and just have a little fun with something to root for but in terms of making big bets on parlays i do not advise that at all i see a lot of people who uh you know they throw in uh, an underdog on a parlay and they for uh, you know a couple of units or something like that it's like no that's not the right thing to do if you're betting an underdog, you should bet him straight, him or her straight, uh, instead of throwing it in with a parlay. You know, the, uh, some some people are under the impression that parlays, you know, improve the odds of your bet, but it doesn't. It just relays the money over again. So you win that first leg of the parlay, and it carries over to the second, to the third, to the fourth, and it keeps multiplying. But if you would just bet that money straight in the first place, you would win the same amount. So they're kind of uh, a little bit of smoke and mirrors, thinking that. People think that their odds are getting better and they're potentially getting a better price, but they're not. They're just paying for more legs and, you know, basically rolling that money onto the next leg of that parlay. So if you're doing parlays, I would recommend a few different legs and, you know, go really small uh, and just have a little bit of fun with, you know, some less likely scenarios to play out. But instead of, you know, relying on two to three in between the, uh, the range of minus 200 to plus 200, those picks. So, yes, yeah, stick to stick to straight ragers when you're when you're uh, making your big plays of the week. One last thing before I let you go, John, I just wanted to ask, um, obviously, you, you watch the um, the heavyweight Grand Prix semifinals Bellator. A lot of people are saying it's a done deal that uh, Bader 100%, but I actually thought Fedor's hands looked a lot quicker than I'd have expected out of a 42-year-old. Do you think Fedor has any chance whatsoever? Um, yeah, so what you said is pretty accurate. I mean, Fedor's hands are still there, man. He still throws quick and he still throws powerful. Here's what I'm going to take into account is that Matt Mitrione wanted to keep that fight on the feet. He wanted to try to land, you know, a, a knockout blow before Ryan Bader could close the distance and go for a takedown, and he was not able to do that. Ryan Bader was shooting for a takedown, you know, within five, ten seconds of every stand-up exchange with Matt Mitrione. And I think that Ryan Bader will be able to replicate that same success against Fedor, you know, the opening line came out already for this fight. Ryan Bader opened up at minus 170 
and, and which gives his implied probability at 62 or 63 percent and it has already been bet down to minus 425 which is 81 percent so just a massive massive increase in his implied probability whoever set that line must have been you know uh, had a lot of respect for Fedor because I really see what the line is now as more accurate I mean Fedor I think yeah should be around minus 400 around 80 percent because I, I give Fedor a slight chance to you know catch him with uh, a, you know a big powerful blow a slight chance to reverse some of the takedowns like he was doing against Chael but we also saw, saw him start to get tired really quickly in that Chael Sonnen fight and we saw him you know Chael able to get some takedowns on Fedor as well like I said, Fedor did good reversing them and getting back to his feet, but I have to imagine that Ryan Bader will get Fedor down and control him on the ground and uh, be the winner of this heavyweight Grand Prix. Okay, perfect. Well, um, thanks a lot, John. And uh, before you go, could you just remind people listening if they want to hear more of your podcast or follow you on Twitter, where they can go? Yeah, Ty, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. And you can catch me at UFO UFC on Twitter. That is UFO underscore UFC on Twitter. Also, check me out at Martian MMA Podcast on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can just search Martian MMA and you should see uh, all the podcasts up there. And uh, like I said, eternally grateful for you having me on, man. I'm really happy being a guest on the Switchkick Podcast and uh, hope to be back in the future. Excellent, John. We'll speak to you again soon. Take care. Peace, man. The Switch Kick Podcast.